is I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is Lesson 2 in the video series, The Biblical Principles Governing the Eyes. Uh, I hope that you have watched Lesson 1, which is an introductory lesson that is very significant information about how the eyes can go from being a natural organ to a doorway to a spiritual experience, whether a positive or a negative spiritual experience. So uh, this is what we want to talk about in this lesson. The gift of sight that God gave us for good and to enrich our lives also has great potential for evil. I've said that in the last lesson. I'm saying it here. I will say that many times throughout these lessons. God intended for our eyesight to be a blessing to us spiritually in a positive way, both naturally and spiritually. It's a gift from God. Our eyesight is a gift from God. But everything that has a potential for good has an equal potential for evil if it is not submitted to God and his word or kept submitted to God and his word, obedient to his word and his spirit. And so... Uh, let's talk about that in a minute. If I willfully allow my eyes to be used in any manner that incites me to take pleasure in sin, then I'm taking the Lord's blessing to me and making a curse to my soul. Now, what do you mean willfully? Well, no one can make me do anything. No one. Uh, God will not, Satan cannot I have a free choice. I've got to make that choice. I do make choices. That's why no one but me is accountable and responsible for my choices. Nobody. Nobody. I am accountable for those choices. But if I willfully allow my eyes to be used in any manner that incites me to take pleasure in sin, then I'm taking the Lord's blessing to me and making it a curse to my soul. Therefore, when we use, when when you scripturally, the eyes like the ears have the ability to greatly enhance my life naturally and spiritually. When used to the contrary, the use of my eyes without the governing of God's word will eventually become a significant liability to my salvation. So, my eyes can either really help me be saved or my eyes can either really help be the source of the path of my destruction. The latter occurs when my eyes are allowed to connect to the baser elements of my nature and feed its desires and hope of the fulfillment of those desires. My, As I explained in the last video, I don't just see something. My brain creates an image and immediately my mind associates that image with everything I know about that image and everything I've experienced about that image. And that, that association then produces a feeling. That feeling can be a positive feeling that causes me to have joy and desire for God or it can be a negative feeling that causes me to want to have, to deal with, to have, uh, give over to the flesh and experience the, 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 the pleasures of the flesh or fleshly relief or whatever it may be. So I have my eyes, 
I have to acknowledge that my eyes, while they may be a great blessing, have to be guarded carefully. My sinful nature influences my choices and thus pervert the the use of my eyes from promoting the following of the Lord's principles for living in a loving relationship with Him to encouraging our participation in a self-centered, world-loving lifestyle. I cannot allow my sinful nature to influence my choices. But we do, don't we? I do. I have. I, 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 I would hope, but I doubt seriously, that I will never have another day the rest of my life that my sinful nature does not attempt to influence my choices. But the question is, what are those choices going to be? I hope you will acknowledge that because of the connection between physical sight and mental sight, the importance of understanding the Lord's principles governing the eyes and their biblical uses is significantly increased. In other words, it is, it is my hope that by the grace of God, somehow already in this lesson and a portion of this video series, you have already come to understand how critical it is to your eternity that you learn all you can about the eyes, how God wants you to use them, and how the world and the flesh wants you to use them, and the consequences of both of those, and then what you can do about not doing the one and doing the other. I am praying in Jesus' name that right now you are already resolving that you're going to commit yourself however long it takes you to work through this video series so that the Lord can, can impart to you revelation and can equip you and impart to you the grace of God through that revelation to be able to walk in him as he would have you to walk. There's nothing specifically sinful about my eyes physically seeing something since that is what the eyes were designed by God to do. Now, this is important to understand. Just because my eyes see something doesn't mean there's automatically a problem with that. But it is the mental sight that is the catalytic product of the physical sight, which connects to the motives of my heart, determines my action and my priorities, that is the potential problem. It's not my eyes. And it's not the fact that my eyes see something, my brain processes an image that's the problem. We see billions of things every day. We may not count it as billions, but our mind does. Because a, 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 even a video camera is in lines of revol- resolutions and it's, there's a frame rate of so many frames per second that that equipment produces and it's, and it's played at such a fast rate, <clears throat> you don't even see the flicker. It seems like one continuous picture, but it's not. It is hundreds of, uh, uh, of images played at a rapid place, pace that creates an image. Well, our mind works just like that. Our mind, our eyes see and our brain processes billions of images every day. And that function by itself, that natural physical function, that's not the problem. That's not the problem. What the problem is, is 
what our memories, our minds associate with that image, and our memories remember the feelings of that association. And then we have to decide what we're going to do with those new feelings from what we're seeing right now based on our past experiences. So again, there's nothing sinful about my eyes doing what they were intended to do. But it's the mental sight that becomes emotional, which can then become spiritual depending on what I do with it. Whatever I see mentally that results from what I see physically inevitably proceeds to shape my character, guide the course of my relationships, and influences my decisions concerning who and what I will give my time and my life to. You say, all of that happens from what I see? Absolutely. 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 I mean, if that's not the case, then why do manufacturers and companies spend billions upon trillions of dollars worldwide every year to get things before your eyes, whether printed page or billboard or the internet or videos or whatever it is. They want to get stuff before your eyes. Why? They can't tempt you to buy stuff just talking to you about it. They can't. They can't get you to buy their product simply by telling you about it. They want you to see it. And that's why advertising, the advertising industry is such a huge deal. There, there are people that make huge incomes every year over there because they have a, a, an ability better than others to create images for you to see to cause you to want to buy a certain product. Well, if that's true when it comes to buying things, isn't that also very true when it comes to buying what the devil is selling or what the world is selling? Or in our own case, what the flesh is selling? Likewise, since mental sight is connected to desire, what I lie, allow my eyes to linger upon physically initiates the decision to either seek after God or pursue the world. It is the dwelling on it. It's the dwelling on it. A momentary sight that I don't dwell on, it has very little lasting impact. It's like a preacher said to me many years ago, and others have said this similar thing. You can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop him from building a nest in your hair. That's the difference. It's when it's not the first look that's the problem. It's the second look, which can then lead to a third look, which then can lead to us looking. And that looking becomes then uh, a, a memory, which can become a fantasy, which leads to all kind of problems. Uh, one of the greatest examples of this is found in the differences between what Adam and Lot saw with their eyes and what they saw eventually determined the spiritual destination for each of them and their offspring. What you see and how you react to what you see 
doesn't just affect you. It will also affect your offspring. Abraham saw the promised land. Lot saw Sodom. As we read the following verse scriptures, it's very difficult for our minds to grasp that everything that followed all started from a, with a look from Lot's eyes. And everything that God did for, from Abraham started with a look, a God-initiated look for, from Adam's eyes. So Genesis 13, beginning with verse 1, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him into the south. Lot was Abraham's nephew. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and gold, and he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, under the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai. Under the place of the altar which he had made there at the first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also, which went with Abraham, had flocks and herds and tents. So Lot was blessed because of his association with Abraham, which we find out uh, we can refer back to uh, Genesis 12 and 1 and find that that was the promise God made to Abraham. Everybody that associated with Abraham and his seed would be blessed. And everybody that blessed Abraham's seed would be blessed. Or blessed Abraham and his seed would be blessed. So everybody that associated with Abraham and his seed, everybody that blessed Abraham and his seed, they'd be blessed. And so Lot was blessed like Abraham because of his association with Abraham. We find out that Lot didn't have Abraham's faith, but he was blessed because of his association with Abraham's faith. Let me just stop here for a minute and say, isn't it really important that while we are Blessed by the people we go to church with, if we allow that to case be the case, and we're blessed by the preachers that preach to us, if we allow that to be the case, and, and we are blessed by our association with spiritual people. That's not the same thing as us having faith and us us being spiritual. All of that is positive, but if we don't, at some point, allow those associations to affect us personally, so that we have faith and so that we have our own walk with God, then we will be tempted, be open to temptation like Lot was. So Lot knew what God was saying to Abraham. And Lot was following Abraham because of Abraham's faith. <laughs> and Lot was blessed because of Abraham, his association with Abraham. But here was the problem. And the land, verse 6, and the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between a, between the herdmen of Abraham, Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Well, wait a minute. You're my uncle. You're my, you're my, I'm your nephew. I'm your nephew. You're my uncle. What, what, what do you mean brethren? When, when Abraham used this term, I believe, he went beyond simply talking about their blood relationship. I believe that Abraham thought Lot believed what he did, believed the way he did, was committed to God the way he was. And so he referred to him as his brother and that his, 
their people were brethren because of this this association. Because all of Abraham's household believed in Abraham's God. So Abraham says to Lot, verse 9, Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And, and, and first of all, right here, there was a problem. This should have demonstrated to Lot his problem. Abraham was being so gracious. But Lot, being the younger, should have said, no, 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 Uncle Abraham, my brother. You're the elder here. You're the leader of our group. Uh, you choose. Whichever way you go, then I'll go the other way. I trust you. But he didn't do that. No, Lot proved his the, the, the limit of, on the degree of his commitment to God because he didn't see any, he didn't see anything about that that was a problem. So he chose. And Lot lifted up his eyes. Now I want you to see the difference between Lot's looking and Abraham's looking. Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that's the Jordan River, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Now, it looked really good. If you got all these cattle, all these sheep, all these camels, all these oxen, to have all that water, to have all that grazing land, wow, what, what a perfect place that was. It looked good. Naturally speaking, it was good. So, again, verse 11, Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. And they separated themselves, the one from the other. And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled uh, in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. Uh, But here's the problem. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Okay, okay. So Abraham, uh, Lot says to himself, you know what? You know what? Uh, uh, I, 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 they weren't ignorant of the condition of the, of the people in those cities. They weren't ignorant of that. And so I'm sure Lot thought to himself, you know what? I'm not going to move into those cities. I'm not going to be like them, but I'm just going to move into the area. I'm going to, I'm going to move into the area. Uh, because look at all this water and look at all this grazing land. And I can become richer and richer because I've got an unlimited amount of, uh, of water and grass here that my, all of my animals can reproduce and my flocks and herds can continue to grow and expand. But we know this to be the fact. He only pitched his tent toward Sodom. But we eventually find him in Sodom with his whole family even though somehow he he had to have known they had to have known the condition of lot that the city the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah could not have been that wicked 
and Abraham and Lot not know that? There's no way. They had to have known it. And so, I'm sure he fully intended to only look. But Lot didn't stop there. I'm sure it didn't happen overnight. It was a very gradual, slow process into a stronghold. He eventually found himself in the stronghold. He lived in the city of Sodom. But it cost him his family. Because when God came to deliver him out of Sodom, his married children laughed at him as if he'd lost his mind. So only he and his wife and his two unmarried daughters were delivered from there. And even then, he didn't really want to go, and his wife didn't really want to go. And this all started with just a look. There's no such thing as an innocent look. There's no such thing. Now, I may when I say look, I don't mean what the, the, just the eye seeing something processing. I mean a look is dwelling on it. He 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 looked. He looked on 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 the well watered plains of, of of Jordan. He looked on them. He 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 must have stood there and just visually just. Uh, did an inventory of all he could see. He looked on that. And the more he saw that, the more his mind said, you know, this is really good. This is, this is awesome. This is a great place here. And, it, and, and, and the, and God had to have in the back of his mind said, uh, yeah, but Sodom and Gomorrah over there. And somehow he dismissed that. No, that, well, I'm not going to live there. I'm not like them. I'm not going to do what they do. But the look continued to be a look. And I wonder if at some point in time his kids said to him, Dad, Dad, look at all that's available in these cities. We don't have to become like them to, to be benefited by all of this. I don't know how exactly it happened, but I know that the, the New Testament says that this righteous man, so he never gave up his personal righteousness. But he vexed his righteous soul in seeing and hearing their sin every day. He was a righteous man in bondage to what he was seeing and hearing. Now, here is exactly what happened for Abram. Genesis thirteen fourteen, verse 14. And the Lord said to Abram, after that lot was separated from him, God said to Abram, lift up now thine eyes. It was Lot's flesh that looked and made the decision where he was going to take his family. But God initiated Abraham's look. And he said, lift up now thine eyes and look for the place where thou art north, from the place where thou art northward, southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it, and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abraham removed his tent, 
and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. So Lot's eyes led him into this very slow, gradual process of temptation to the point that eventually only he and two of his daughters were quote-unquote delivered from. The rest of his family were destroyed when God said, that's enough, the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah are no longer acceptable. No, There's no more patience, I'm done. But Abraham, Abraham was given a look that God instructed him to have. And it affected his children forever. Because God promised that he would give it to him and his seed forever. That started with a look. So what what are you doing with your eyes? What are you looking at? Who directs your sight? Is your flesh directing your sight? Or is the Spirit of God directing your sight? Lot's look eventually separated him from God. Abraham's look brought him closer to God. What is what you're looking at doing for you? Our eyes potentially have the same amount of impact upon our own souls and on the souls of our descendants as Lot's eyes had on him and his family and Abraham, Abraham's eyes had on him and his family. So what are you going to do? What's going to be your decision? What's going to be your direction? Father, I pray for everyone that is watching this video and receiving this instruction right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I loose the faith and the grace of God upon them that they might receive your empowerment, your revelation and your empowerment to guard their eyes and to let their eyes be instruments for you and your kingdom and for their soul and salvation's sake and not their eyes not be the source of their temptation into destruction for themselves and their family. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray this. Amen. God bless you.